Hi everyone, welcome to Murders in Paradise. I am your host Jen, joined as always by GR Dad. Hello. I don't know what I said. What did I say for good evening? <laughs> Very Albert Hitchcock. I really good evening. <laughs> uh, you can hear somebody squeaking a toy in the background. Uh, it's not me. It's the golden ratio household. Uh so GR Dad, you and I are just back from five days in the Florida Keys. We witnessed no murders. Uh, I did see an ambulance go past. Ambulance? Yeah. Uh, found no bodies. Could have been a murder ambulance. Unlikely. No. Yeah. Uh, no, it was pretty tame while we well, were down there. Early morning. People murder in the morning. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true. Uh, there was a siren, though, which, as you pointed out, is typically not used if somebody's dead. Anyway, we had a very peaceful, lovely time in the Florida it Keys. Was very tranquil. Yep. So now we're back in D.C. Uh, we have a new case for you on episode two. Jared uh, Dad does not know any details about the case that I'm about to share. Forget details. I don't know anything about this case. <laughs> no, you don't. You know z- zero I details. Know the sweater was blue. No, I have no idea what it Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's jump into it. This I week. I'm all of you. We are doing the case of Charlie Brandt. Okay, September 2nd, 2004. Mm-hmm. Hurricane Ivan is churning towards the Keys. It's a big one. It is a big one. I mean, in hindsight, it's going to be a big one. It's going to be bad. Uh, there's an evacuation, uh, so people are leaving the Keys. Charlie Brandt and his wife Terry live on Big Pine Key. Oh, right. Not, Yeah, it's not too far lower. from us. Yeah. Yep. It's the first of the lower keys. You go across the Seven Mile Bridge. You are at Bahia Honda State Park. And then you are at Big Pine Key. It was like 25 miles from Key West? Like 35. Mile marker 35, 40. Uh, so it's down there towards the bottom. Home of the Key Deer. Uh, key Deer Wildlife Refuge. The endangered Key Deer. Teeny tiny white-tailed deer. It's wonderful. There's a Winn-Dixie. Yeah, I was going to say, there's the Winn-Dixie. When we bought our house in the Keys, I was like, okay, we're going to go to the Winn-Dixie and Big Pine. So we're driving, and there's a sign that says, Winn-Dixie, next left. Left at the next light. Next at the next light. And then we drive for 20 minutes. Another 20 miles to the next light. Yep, yep. Uh, It's real isolated down there. So Charlie and Terry Brandt live on Big Pine Key, and Hurricane, Hurricane Ivan is barreling down, so they need to evacuate. Uh, Their niece, Michelle Lynn Jones. This is Terry's. So Terry is the wife. It's her sister's daughter. Three names. Mm. (laughs) Your three name theory is not going to serve you well on this podcast. Come on. All right. Something's always significant about using the middle name. I guess there are a lot of Michelle Joneses in the world. There's probably a lot of Michelle Lynn Joneses, to be be honest. Uh, So Michelle Lynn Jones is their niece, Terry's sister's daughter. Uh, so she lives in Orlando or near Orlando. So she invites her aunt and uncle to stay with her when they evacuate the keys. Cause not all of Florida is evacuated. The keys are evacuated. So Michelle at the time was 37. This is the niece single. She was an executive at the golf channel, which is based in Orlando. So she has this nice house. It's got like a pool. It's got a jacuzzi. She's super excited to have her aunt and uncle come visit with her, stay with her. Um, so they agree. 
even if it's for an evacuation. Yep, because it's like, look, you got to get out of there. I mean, I have friends who have evacuated for hurricanes and they go stay with family and it's like, cool. So it's like a little vacation while we wait for the hurricane to hopefully not destroy everything that we yeah. own and have built in our lives. Uh, so the aunt and uncle, Charlie and Terry, go to Michelle's house. They're staying there. While they're there, Michelle is talking to her mom. Her mom's name is Mary Lou. Every day. They talk every day. They're super close. So she's keeping in touch. Uh, so they evacuate on September 2nd. September 13th, they're still there. So apparently they decided to make an extended trip. Uh, one of Michelle's friends, Lisa, was supposed to come over and visit. And, you know, they had been just Terry and uh, Charlie and Michelle were kind of hanging out, you know, making a good time of it. And uh, so this friend Lisa is supposed to go visit but Michelle talks to her on the phone and she's like, look, Charlie and Terry had an argument. They're a really crappy company right now. Like things are sort of tense. You better not come over. And this is Michelle with the three names? Yes, Michelle with the three names. I see. <laughs> so, um, mm. so the friend Lisa is like, all right, I'm not going to come over. I mean, who wants to go to a house where like, you know, my aunt and uncle are staying with me and they had a fight and they're real crappy to hang out with. Maybe you shouldn't come over. Of course, you're not going to go over. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that night, September 13th, Lisa tries to call. The mom tries to call. Michelle's not answering the phone anymore. Uh, but hey, it could be late. Maybe they had some drinks. Not answering the phone the next day. So September 15th. This is in 2004? 2004. People have cell phones? Uh, they get like flip phones okay. sometimes at that point. Um, but also a lot of landline. Yep. All right, so this is the evening of the 13th is when all that happened. Nobody's able to get in touch with her after that. Nobody's able to get in touch with her the next day, the 14th. Finally, on the 15th, a different one of Michelle's friends, Debbie, is like, all right, this is weird. She's always in touch. She's always at work. Something's obviously wrong. So she goes to Michelle's house to check on her. And Debbie is on the phone with Michelle's mom, Mary Lou, because she's like, look, I can't get in touch with Michelle and Mary's Lou's like, ah, I've, I talk to her every day. I haven't talked to her. I've, I couldn't talk to her at all yesterday. Something's going on. So on the cell phone, <laughs> we have a squeaky dog in the background. Uh, so Debbie, the friend, is on the phone with the mom. Debbie goes to the friend's house. She's still on the phone with the mom. It's the flip phone kind of thing. Flip phone, right? No smartphones. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could have maybe had a BlackBerry. But yeah, so she's on the phone. Front door is locked. So the friend goes around to the garage and apparently her garage has like a whole bunch of like glass windows. Hmm. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's not a ton of garages in the Keys because it doesn't get all that cold. This is Orlando. Yeah, but it still doesn't get that cold, right? I mean, people tend more to have carports. Carports, sure. Um, but anyway, she has a garage, but it, allegedly from what I've read, it has a bunch of glass windows. So she goes around, she looks in there and she finds Charlie Brandt, the uncle, his decomposing body, body is hanging from the rafters. <sighs> he has hung by a bedsheet noose. So she calls the police. The police come. They go into the house. And inside the house, they find the body of Terry and the body of Michelle. So the wife and All the niece. Three All three of them are dead. Oh, yeah. So Charlie is hung by a... A noose in the garage made out of a bed sheet. Yep. In jail kind of thing. Yep. Terry, his wife, 
has been stabbed seven times in the chest while she was reclining on the couch. It seems like she was probably sleeping on the couch and got stabbed several times while she was asleep. Mm. Michelle, the niece, has been decapitated, disemboweled, her heart and her organs have been removed, and her head is placed next to her body. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, all the weapons in the crime were knives that were in her kitchen. So this isn't like an outside person who brought stuff in. Okay. So what the heck happened? This is like one of those freaking mystery room things where it's like, oh, and the, oh, the knife was made of ice and it turned into water. <laughs> freaking A. So, I don't know what really happened, but I'm sure a theory is the guy killed everybody and then hung himself. I mean, this is always a good theory, right? The husband did it is always a good theory. I don't think I would be here with you listening to you if that was the actual happening. You're pretty much always going to be right if you guess that the husband did it. Mm-hmm. So a couple days later, Charlie, the guy who was found hanging, his sister comes forward to police and says, I have a story that you need to understand. Indeed. Okay. All right, so this was all in 2004 mm-hmm. that this happened. So she says back in 1971, January 3rd, 1971, Charlie was 13. He walks into his parents' bathroom that night. His dad is shaving. His mom is eight months pregnant. She's taking a bath. Charlie walks into their bedroom, goes into the bathroom, shoots both parents at point blank range. He walks what? up to the dad, shoots the dad in the back, then goes to the tub, stands over the mom who's eight months pregnant, shoots the mom. The daughter, the last thing that she remembers hearing is the mom yelling to her to call the police. Uh, So the dad's shaving, he gets shot. The mom's in the tub, she gets shot. The mom- 71, a 13-year-old. He's 13. Mm-hmm. and then, so the mom is calling to the sister, telling her to call police before she dies, because the mom dies. Uh, Charlie then comes out and starts fighting with the sister. They start, like, physically grappling. Like and, he's out of ammo or something. Yeah. Uh, he actually tries to shoot her, and the gun jams or is out of ammo. So it doesn't work. Uh, she's 15, so she's two years older. So... Uh, there she's fighting with the brother who has just shot both the parents and she's like his eyes were glazed over i just see this rage in them all i was doing is telling him how much i love him how everything's going to be okay this seems to break the spell as soon as he starts fighting with her she bolts out of the house she goes to the neighbor's house is banging on the door the neighbor doesn't come to the door fast enough so she's runs to the next neighbor's house meanwhile the first neighbor finally gets down there opens the door she's not there Charlie is there, covered in blood, and he says, I just shot my mom and dad. So the neighbor calls the police, and the police come. The brother, Charlie, has said, yeah, I shot both my parents. Uh, The mom died. The dad does not die. The dad survives. And so obviously he gets charged with murder, and they have a bunch of court-appointed psychiatrist try to figure out why did he shoot the parents they can't figure out why yeah, neither can I. 
No. I'm with them on this one. I think this is a legitimate mystery. Yeah. So they're, they do all these interviews, and one of them is like, we were looking for signs of mental illness. He doesn't show any signs of serious mental illness. I mean, obviously there's something wrong, but, you know, you look for schizophrenia, you look for bipolar, you look for psychosis. He doesn't have any signs of anything. We have no idea why he shot his parents. So, yeah, and the dad's like, I don't know. He seemed like a nice, quiet, well-behaved boy, wasn't violent, wasn't, didn't have any problems. We have no idea. The psychiatrist can't tell. So, uh, so this is in Indiana that this happened back in 1971. So he's only 13, right? So he's not criminally responsible for his crimes at 13. So he basically gets sent to a mental hospital, psychiatric hospital. How long do you think he was in that psych hospital? Well, since you're asking that question, probably five years. He was in for one year oh, until, yeah, until his dad successfully petitions for his release. And he goes back to live with his whole family. His dad, who he shot and tried to kill, he killed his dad's wife. His mom, uh, dad gets him back and it is never spoken of again. The dad doesn't ask him why. He has, he has two younger sisters. They're never told about it. It is never discussed again. So the dad gets him out of the psych hospital a year after he tried to kill the dad and after he killed the mom. And presumably, I mean, he did try to kill the sister. He tried to shoot the sister and the gun jammed. So he would have basically killed the whole family. He succeeds in killing the mom, one year in a psych ward, and dad gets him out. Weird. Yeah. So he has, you know, the one sister that we just talked about, the older sister, but there's two younger sisters. They don't even know that this happened. The whole family moves to Florida. That's appropriate. <laughs> we now know. They only lived together for a short amount of time in Florida. Then the dad and the two younger sisters moved away. Charlie stayed in Florida uh, living with his grandparents. So this is suggesting that Charlie killed. Has some problems. <laughs> Has some problems. And since we found him hanging and his wife and his niece dead, seems to more strongly suggest that maybe the, he did. The, the daughter didn't kill herself and put her head next to herself. <clears throat> I'm pretty, let's rule that one out. Yes, <laughs> that's correct. And it could be a third party that killed all three of them. But. Yeah. So the police now have this story about Charlie's past and they have this evidence. And so they go down to Big Pine Key to search his house. And they also have his computer that he had with him at uh, Michelle's house. All right. So when they search his house on Big Pine, they find that he was a subscriber to Victoria's Secret catalogs. Now, for those of you who did not grow up, who grew up with the Internet, you may not understand why people would subscribe to catalogs there was no porn it was hard to get porn people and so uh it was legal and free to get a victoria's secret catalog where you had a bunch of sexy posing naked ladies nearly naked ladies come into your house i'm nodding in agreement here. This yeah is not good radio but i'm nodding yes yeah so uh he has all of these victoria's secret catalogs they're addressed to him not to his wife mm -hmm. and he could forget that guys would subscribe and be like, I'm getting this for my girlfriend. I need the catalog so yeah. I can get gifts <laughs> for my girlfriend. So someone says that 
He were he always referred to Michelle, the niece, his niece, his wife's sister's I don't like daughter. Where you're going. He referred to Michelle the niece as Victoria's Secret. He never called her Michelle. He always called the niece Victoria's Secret. Uh, and they kind of find out, to the horror of the family, that he had been secretly infatuated with the niece. Uh, so they find on his computer, including the night before everybody got killed, like these snuff films, he had gone to these uh, kind of like torture porn websites, stuff looking at like bondage and sadism and dismemberment and like porn around killing women. Uh, and they also find evidence of this when they're searching his house. So, uh, so that's not good. Oh, it's just got the magazine for the articles. <clears throat> The Victoria's Secret for the articles. I mean, as someone who has bought a lot of under things from Victoria's Secret, I've got that catalog for many years, and I don't remember there being any articles in there. Yeah, nobody does. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they're searching his house, and in addition to all these Victoria's Secret catalogs, and of course all the like... It's like it's such a benign thing, the Victoria's Secret catalogs, by yeah. the way. It's like, just... This other stuff is like so much different and more. It's just like, it's extra creepy that he called his niece... Yes. Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Um, but yes, in addition to that, he had an extensive collection of surgery-themed books, posters, and clippings, and he regularly searched for autopsy photos and snuff film websites depicting violence against women. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. I got a lot of this information both from Murderpedia, which there was a 48 Hours that did this, and so they summarized that, um, and then some of it was in Wikipedia. So, uh, all right, so that's not good. And... Because these murders were, like, really specific, right? Like, the heart was cut, cut out, she yeah. was decapitated, and it's kind of in line with this stuff that he would look up on the internet and kind of these films that he would look at. They're like, these must not be the first people he killed. Oh, and obviously they're not, right? He's He killed his mom, and uh, who else did he kill? And so they, the police say... Well, let's figure out what other murders are unsolved that have a similar MO. And so they search all of the U.S., they search internationally, and ultimately they link him to 26 oh, unsolved murders no. in Florida dating back to 1973. So he, tried, he killed his mom in 1971. Right he came out of the mental institution. Yep. Fantastic. One year moves to Florida, and uh, and then the murders start. So he's like, oh, I'll just stay with my grandparents so I can keep killing people. Yeah, basically. Go ahead, dad and sisters. Go ahead and move out of Florida. I'll stay here. And, you know, the problem is oh, that no. he killed himself when he killed everybody else in 2004, and so it's not like you can question him. It's not like you can get a lot of other evidence. I don't think it's a particular problem. Well, <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. So um, so they don't list all 26 murders. I haven't found a, a list of all 26, but there's a few that seem pretty solidly connected to him. Okay, so he's 13 in 1971. He's 15 in 1973. 13, when they, but full-fledged killer. Full-fledged, yeah. Like, tried to kill, killed his mom. And, and eight months, I mean, like, 
<laughs> that fetus crazy. would be viable at that yeah. point. So we're going to call that like yeah, basically. I'm not getting into the debate on, you know, when whatever, but that's a terrible thing made worse. Yeah, like if you had taken that mom to the hospital when she got shot, you could have delivered that baby and it would have been alive. Like that counts mm-hmm. as a baby mm-hmm. at that point. Um, tried to kill the, I mean, shot the dad, yeah. would have killed the sister. So would have killed three people when he was 13. Then kills these two people, his wife and his niece, uh, at the end. And so in between, they find a few other murders. Okay, so 19... Two dozen. Well, 26. So, yeah, I'm going to share four with you that seem pretty strongly linked to him. So 1978. So he's going to be... 20? 1920 at that point. Carol Sullivan age 12, was abducted from a school bus stop in uh, on September 20th, 1978. They found her skull in a bucket, leading authorities to presume that she was murdered and decapitated. So this is the how they connected her to him. Uh, so he was 20 years old at the time. He lived in the same county, but they couldn't really find anything else to tie him at the same time. Like how many people are out there decapitating people? Not that many. <laughs> Turned out decapitation, not a real common way of doing stuff. Of 12-year-old girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was 20 then in 1978. Ten years later, 1988, Lisa Saunders, she was 20. She was beaten, stabbed, and dragged from her car in Big Pine Key. Her heart was missing when she was found. Now, remember, he, the heart was cut out of the niece when they found her body in the house. So this woman, Lisa Saunders, her heart was also missing, um, it was, it says it's unclear if it was extracted by an attacker or eaten by vultures. Pretty clearly not vultures. Pretty, there are, so there are vultures all over the keys and this is a good thing because it's hot down there and if a thing dies, it smells bad real fast. And so that's good that there's a lot of vultures because you, like roadkill doesn't stick around for very long, but your heart is like well encased in your body. You, you got ribs over it. It's it's well protected because you don't want to damage that. Who so vultures not diagnosis that medical examiner from Crazy Town. No, Fami Malik. <laughs> it wasn't David Attenborough because that's not how vultures. Work. No, it's ridiculous. And it's interesting. I saw this case mentioned. Um, you know, when I was just doing general research about what cases we might cover, I had seen Lisa Saunders listed as an unsolved crime. Like, oh, what possibly could have happened? But it seems like she's pretty solidly linked to Charlie Brandt, um, removing the heart. Okay, Sherry Parisho, P-E-R-I-S-H-O, Sherry Parisho. So this is one year later in 1989. So her partially clothed body was found on July 16th, 1989, near North Pine Channel Bridge at Big Pine Key. So this is like yards from... His house. Uh, so there's a lot of channels in the Keys because they're all pretty small islands and uh, there's like bridges connecting each of them. So this is one of those. Her throat had been slashed. Her head had been nearly severed. So she was basically decapitated. Uh, her body was extensively mutilated. Again, the heart was removed. Nobody. Uh, look, I'm a fan of the Monroe County Police Department, but apparently they do better when it's dudes who confess right away. <laughs> So she was found less than a thousand feet where Brant lived. So this is an interesting case because there's a little bit more detail to it. So uh, this woman, Sherry Parisho, 
basically was homeless. So she had a bike, she would bike around the Keys, and then she did have like a little dinghy, like a little rowboat basically. And at night she would put her bike like in the front of her boat and she'd row her boat out into the water and then she'd sleep out there. Protected. Basically. So instead of just like sleeping under a bridge or sleeping, you know, like illegally camping or something, um, she'd row her boat out so she's got a little bit of protection. Almost in international water, so she's fine. <laughs> it's an interesting loophole. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's what she would do. So she basically lived on this little rowboat. And they think that she was murdered in the boat. So she'd go about a thousand, uh, sorry, a hundred yards offshore, not that far, sleep in her boat. And they think that she was, you know, somehow. Uh, Someone swam after? What's the word I want? Like she was rendered incapable of doing anything. Incapacitated. Incapacitated. Yeah. So they think she was incapacitated she was put on the bottom of the boat the police still have the boat and uh, it's like in their evidence yard and you can see cut marks in the bottom of the boat so they think basically somehow she was incapacitated put in the bottom of the boat and then was killed and dismembered in her own boat because um, you can kind of see the marks from it so like i said her heart was cut out which we've seen in we saw in michelle we saw in uh in the victim, Sherry from, I'm sorry, um, Lisa, Lisa from 1988, where they said maybe it was the vultures that, that took the heart. I know. Uh, so Parisho's heart is also cut out. She's decapitated. Cut out and like missing? Uh, I don't know if it was in the boat or if it was just missing. Mm. So I don't, I don't know if they found the heart, but it wasn't in there. Um, but someone spotted a man running across Route 1 near the scene, uh, at, basically around the time that the murder would have happened. And so they did a composite sketch because her body was found really fast. There's a ton of boats out there. Yeah. So if there's a body anywhere in one of those channels by those islands, they're going to find it. So they found it, I think, the next day. Um, and... So there was this composite sketch. Someone's like, well, I saw this guy running across the street. Charlie Brandt looks like the composite sketch. He lives a thousand yards away. I mean, he lives close. Yeah. And so, hmm. so yeah, so he looks like the sketch. We know in hindsight, decapitation, cutting out the heart. This is his MO. Uh, but also his former brother-in-law, so the brother of his wife, says, you know, just after... She was killed, not just after Sherry Parisha was killed. Uh, he was having a conversation with Terry, his sister, and she's like, you know, somebody was killed not far from our house, and I'm thinking about calling the police because I know Charlie killed people in the past. And then apparently, like, she goes into the house, like, or she's in the house and goes downstairs the night of the murder, and he's downstairs all freaked out, Covered in blood. Stop. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly. And she's like, uh, what the hell is going on? And he's like, no, no, no. I was just like cleaning some fish. And she just goes, okay. Just don't kill me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that didn't work out too well for her, unfortunately. Um, but obviously she thought he did it enough that she was thinking about the calling the police. And she told her brother that she thought he did it. This is in 1989. She didn't call the police. She didn't do anything about it. 
and uh, and you know ultimately ends up paying for that with her life in 2004. Um, so that's 1989. He decapitates, removes the heart, kills this woman, and then 1995. This is really interesting. Um, so this one's in no, Miami. Been interesting so far. It's been interesting, but also fucked up. Just, um, yeah. Okay, so all those murders. The first one, you know, the 12 year old when he was 20, that he wasn't living in the Keys then. It was in the county that he was living in in mainland Florida. The other two were in Big Pine Key. Big Pine Key's not that big. It calls itself Big Pine Key, but it is not that big. It's only bigger than Little Pine Key. <laughs> yeah, there's not that many people there. Big is only in contradiction to Little. Pine yeah, Key. and uh, and there are not murders like this. There's probably there. a couple hundred people there. Yeah, that's right. Real small. Yeah. All right. So he's living in the Keys. Both of those murders took place in the Keys. Uh, so 88, 89. Now we're in 95, six years later. But this one takes place in Miami. Now he's still living in Big Pine Key. It's what, 130 miles from Big Pine Key? Two hours at most? Uh, Miami. It, was, it turns out about 100 miles. Yeah. 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 Um, so this victim is Darlene Toller. Uh she, her body was found. She was decapitated. Her heart was missing. For Pete's sake. She was found near a highway wrapped in plastic. But this is in Miami and he lives in Big Pine Key. But it turns out for his job, he has to drive to Miami all the time. Uh, he regularly uses this highway and he keeps a mileage record of all of the distance that he drives like for tax purposes. And so they know how far he drives and he has an entry for a hundred miles on the day of her murder, which is the distance from Big Pine Key to Miami. So he could have, you can't drive those hundred miles in the Keys. I mean, he could have, I guess, driven 50 miles up and 50 miles back down. No, so they, they have his mileage log that basically shows he drove to Miami from Big Pine and then he drove back and in the time when he was in Miami, this woman, Darlene Toller, was murdered and decapitated and her heart was cut out. Um, so how does he find this woman? She was a sex worker. And so it seems like I think his wife was out of town at the time or maybe he was just doing this on a business trip. But basically, you can't kill a bunch of people in Big, Ki Big Pine Key because there's not that many people. So the two that are dead there, like a, a year apart, are already suspicious. But if a third one is decapitated with the heart missing, no question that's going to get put together. Door. Yeah. And look, there's the Monroe County Sheriff. Monroe County is the Florida Keys. All right. There's like 100,000 people in the Keys. It's not that big. So it doesn't matter. Anywhere in the Keys, you kill, decapitate, and remove the heart of a person. And they're going to put it together with those two deaths in Big Pine. So he's like, if I'm going to kill somebody... I can't do it in Monroe County. I'm going to go up to Miami. I go there anyway. I know the lay of the land. How do you get a victim? You know, you take advantage of a sex worker. But, who's but I want the tax write-off, so I'm going to keep it. <laughs> That's like, right. Jeez, guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's four of the apparent 26 murders that they were able to link to him. Um, you know, obviously they can't charge him with this because he killed himself in 2004 when he killed his wife and his niece. Um, and... And I was being unfair to the Monroe County police, too. I mean, like, this is all in hindsight, right? He hadn't... He didn't take anyone's heart out or decapitate anyone in 1971. That was, like, she shot right, people. Right, just shot his parents. And in hindsight, it all makes sense, but... We don't know. We didn't know that in 88. Maybe. No, that's right. And he's got those two victims. But the, the one in 88, 
the head, she wasn't decapitated. So her heart was missing. But you can go, all right, we found this body. Maybe animals. (laughs) Okay. But you could go like, if, if you have that one alone, you go, the heart's missing. That's weird. I guess maybe animals could have got it. You don't go, oh, some like psycho fucking cut her heart out. Yeah. Right. And so, all right. And so in 1988, you write down, maybe animals got the heart and she's not decapitated. And then in 89, you have this victim whose heart is also missing and is decapitated. But you don't necessarily link that to here's a body that animals maybe ate the heart of. Yeah, and even if you right. do, it's two, right? And then the third one isn't there. It's in Miami. That's a different police department, different thing. It's like yeah. a whole different thing. That's right. But if you put that third body like in Key West, here's another body that decapitated and the heart removed. All of a sudden, those three clearly become it's linked. The same police department, police, same detectives. That's right. They'll know. That's right. So, you know, going to another jurisdiction, I mean, this is a common serial killer technique. Um, and, you know, why are that's right. And, you know, Miami has a lot more crime than the Keys do. So they're not necessarily going to put a really violent murder in Miami together with something that's happening 100 miles away in Big Pine, super isolated, rural part of the Keys where there's like nothing like this going on. Here is a big gap. right? And this the Miami murder was six years after the last murder in Big Pine. That's a long memory span. Especially today, you think like social media, three months is a long time. Yeah. Um, So, you know, all these murders, nothing's going to come of it. They're not going to be able to charge him. He's dead. Uh, There's still some investigation going on. They're they're trying to do some DNA tests was what they have. But again, like most of these murders took place like 2004 is when he died, right? So a lot of this is taking place in like the 70s, the 80s, the early 90s. I mean, you think about OJ, that's early 90s. That's like the first time we see DNA like widely, <laughs> I mean, widely used in the courts, right? Like, yeah, I mean, they had to talk in that trial. Here's what they, DNA is and like explain it to everybody. Yeah. They didn't know. So it wasn't widely used then. So police aren't keeping necessarily DNA for testing like this or not storing it in the right way. You know, who knows what they have. Um, so they're, you know, some of the cold case detectives are trying to, you know, permanently link this to him, like really link it through DNA. But that's really tricky. And so it's one of these things where like we have this guy clearly was a serial killer. I mean, has these signs of like this violence in his childhood, even though, you know, they can't find signs of this other mental illness. Like he just wanted to be violent, just had, you know, went into this place where he had to be violent. Obviously had this violence at the end of his life where he killed himself. And we don't know why. Maybe it was he's like, well, I know I'm going to get caught for this. Right. Killed my wife. Like basically was obsessed with the niece. Probably kills the wife so he can do whatever it is that he did to the niece. Because it seems like the wife was asleep and got stabbed. Like he didn't decapitate her. He didn't do any, didn't mutilate her body. Does all of the standard serial killer stuff. You know, and it doesn't say anything in these about sexual assault. But you that's a component of it one way or another if he's watching these like snuff films and uh porn sites about violence against women like there's some sexual component even if she wasn't sexually assaulted so he does what he has feels like he has to do to her and then is like how the hell do i get away with this it's like my wife and my niece like of course they're, they're gonna link it to me evacuated here you know i mean it's yeah and i've been staying here yeah. yeah so it's like you're either gonna run and hope nobody ever finds you, but like 
you're done, right? You're not just like living your life at that point. Um, yeah. So there you go. Charlie Brandt. And they don't, they didn't give a lot of forensics about the crime scene in 2004. I mean, they didn't, like, they just, it was clearly him who killed It clearly him. was him. Clearly he killed himself. It wasn't like yep. some super genius who hung him later and to cover his or her tracks. No, it seems, from what I can see, it's entirely obvious that he's the one yeah. who did it. Um, and, you know, they found stuff, like I said, that night with him looking at this violent stuff in his computer. But I'm guessing all the knives came from in the house. I'm guessing, like, fingerprints and blood evidence, they could pretty straightforwardly tie that to him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Charlie Brandt, serial killer of the Florida Keys, a case I didn't know anything about. I know a lot about a lot of serial killers and didn't know about this well, one. Well, it'll depress the real estate value, so they probably don't talk about it. <laughs> uh, so there, there you go. Um, yeah, let's do a happy dog palate cleanser. Yeah, because that one's a mess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they're maybe all going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> True crime. <laughs> Split opinions on this. Right. Actually, the one I have planned for next week is not nearly as graphic, I think, <laughs> this one and the one that we did last week. Uh, so your happy dog palate cleanser for this week comes from Thailand, where a dog was found at a like oil platform 130 miles from shore, just swimming out there in the ocean, kind of got itself up to the... Like a little dog. Uh, like medium, it looked like maybe 60 pound dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, gets itself eventually to the oil platform and is kind of grabbing on and resting there. Though they pe- workers on the platform spotted it while it was swimming, and so uh, they rescued it. They like made a little rope and get it right around like his neck. Or something, yeah. <laughs> they got a rope around his neck and hauled him up. Uh, Touching. <laughs> do what you got to do, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're it's like, saving me. <laughs> uh, and the poor dog looks so sad and so scared. So they think it probably was on like a fishing vessel somewhere. Cause it didn't swim 130 miles from shore mm-hmm. that it probably was on a fishing boat and fell off. Um, but anyway, they saved it. They brought it to like this animal welfare group in Thailand um, to get kind of taken care of. And the guy who helped pull the dog out of the water is like, you know, if they don't find a home, I'm going to adopt him and bring him to live with me. And he has like a farm in, nice. uh, you know, rural Thailand. So it, it sounded like they were all like very affectionate to the dog and saved it and gave it love and water and food and uh, found it a good place to go. So. That's good. Yeah, it's sad. The dog looks real sad getting pulled from the water because it's probably like, guys, do you know how long I've been swimming? I'm so tired. It actually reminded me, and this is a little trivial, of uh, Chet the Jet. <laughs> so the Chet and Bernie detective series. <laughs> that was a terrible one. Yeah, there's, so one of our favorite book series is the Chet and Bernie detective series, and uh, it's about a private Detective Bernie and Chet is his dog, and Chet is the narrator of the series. It's a smart narrative device. It's they're really wonderful, charming books, and in one of them, uh, you know, Chet the dog always ends up in these precarious situations, like Bernie gets kidnapped or whatever, and Chet's trying to save him, and 
Uh, I think like some drug dealers took Chet and threw him in the Gulf of Mexico. Wrapped in a net. And he had a net. He only had one little arm and that he could swim with. And uh, and he's just swimming. In, in fact, I had to skip ahead some pages because it was just like I, I was very worried for Chet. Um, but he does get himself to an oil platform. And then I think Bernie ends up there and somebody gets oh, killed. He does. He fights the alligator, too. Uh, but there is this scene of just him swimming for like 12 hours. Um, and and I thought about that with yeah. this dog. Uh, but anyway, the dog is okay. And it love. got saved. And it's, it's going to get a good home one way or another. So that's, that's a happy story. Nice Everything is going to be okay. As long as murderers keep hanging themselves. Just do it earlier, guys. Just, you know. If you feel like, you know, frankly, like after you try to kill your parents and or succeeded killing your parents. If you feel like you need to do it again, you could maybe just off yourself. It would be a good solution for everyone. Look how violent you can be with yourself. Yeah. I mean, you could try to get some therapy to help with that. But if you really feel like tonight I'm going to go out and kill, like make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) With that happy advice, uh, thank you to Wikipedia and Murderpedia and 48 Hours for the research that they did that helped with this week's episode. And we'll be back next week. It will be a mysterious one, an unsolved crime. They're always mysterious to me. Unsolved murder next week. Wait, unsolved? Unsolved. It's unsolved to this day. Ooh, speculation. Yep, yep. We can talk about some ideas, though. All right. right, Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Oh, and if you have ideas, a, a few of you have sent me suggestions for cases to cover and some are ones that i knew about but i didn't realize they happened in the keys uh someone sent me had they're like have you seen this forensic files called whatever i don't remember the name like that happens in the keys and like i've seen so many forensic files like it's on all the time and like i go to hotels all the time there's always forensic files on but i don't think i've seen the one that they mentioned and so i was like great like another excuse to watch forensic files we'll totally do that on an episode Uh, so if you know about a case in the Florida Keys that you want us to cover, you can email us at murdersinparadise at gmail.com or you can send us a tweet to murdersparadise, there's no in, murdersparadise on Twitter, or you can message us on Instagram at murdersinparadise. And if you follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we post pictures uh, from whatever we're talking about, so... Last week, we posted pictures of the house from our murder of Mark Brand. Um, is that right? Brand. Yeah. The eyeball guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy got stabbed in the eye. So we mm-hmm. posted pictures of the crime scene uh, outside of the crime scene. There's no no actual crime scene oh, photos in there. Scooter rental yeah. And so when we were in Key West this weekend, we saw the scooter rental place. And I posted a bonus picture of that that we took as we were driving past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we okay. had pictures from his obituary. That was a real sad one last week. Um so on the social media platforms, we'll post kind of related pictures and some additional links so you can see some of the stuff related. So we'll give you a picture of Big Fine Key and a key deer. Victoria's Secret catalog. Probably won't put that. Uh, you know where you can find those pictures. <laughs> All right. So real side note here, just to drag the podcast out. Speaking of Victoria's Secret catalogs. Uh, so when I bought this house in 2008, Left turn, left turn. Oh, yeah, this is real funny, though. Um, uh, So I bought the house, 
everything was broken in this house. Like with our house in the Florida Keys, you can get a good deal on a house if everything's broken in it. And uh, one of the first projects that I did was to put a patio in the back because it was just like you walked out one step and then there was grass. And so I ended up sitting on the patio, like uh, sitting on a step, like eating my dinner. And I'm like, I need a patio. So I had a patio put in. And uh, when they had taken the grass out and they had like put some sand down, but before they put the bricks in, I made myself a little time capsule. So I got like a like a round tin that I think like a bottle of Bailey's or something had come in that I just had around the house. And I put like I I wrote a little letter. I think I put a picture of me and the dogs in there. I had like a daily paper from that day. And there's there's a bunch of random cool stuff in there. But I was like, uh, what else can I put in here that's like of the times? And I put a Victoria's Secret catalog that had come to me oh. in the mail in there. So there's a 2008 Victoria's Secret catalog buried under my patio. Well, I'll be using a pickaxe pretty soon, I think. You can just go to victoriasecret.com and see as many pictures of huh. lingerie-clad ladies as you like. I guess this is cool. Okay. Uh, still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't dig up the patio. <laughs> okay. Uh, so until next week, don't get conked. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.